How's it going, everybody? This is Ryan Doe's here as your host today for Across the Bifrost, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today is all about Loki, everybody. We are going to talk some Loki comics during our first book club. We're going to look back at Loki, Agent of Asgard, a series that came out quite a few years ago. And we're going to do that with a special guest. Dan the Articulator is back to talk comics with us. And then we're going to break down episode three of Loki, the latest episode of the Disney Plus series. Really excited for this low-key episode of Across the Bifrost today. As always, if you want to support the show, a great way you can do that is going to iTunes, rating us five stars, giving us uh, an awesome review, and then don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode of Across the Bifrost, whether it's our Monday episodes or our Thursday Throwback Thursday episodes. Well, without further ado, we're going to jump into our low-key episode with our book club, our first ever book club, with Dan the Articulator talking about low-key Agent of Asgard. How's it going, listener? We are here for the first Across the Bifrost book club so excited that you are listening to this breakdown today. I brought a guest back to talk about Loki, Agent of Asgard, our first book club. We brought Dan the Articulator back. How's it going, Dan? Not bad, Ryan. How about you? Doing good, man. I'm really excited to break down some Loki today. We're uh, going to do a deep dive into one of his uh, first solo titles. I'm excited. Yeah, this was actually uh, something I completely missed when it was on shelves. And it was nice to be able to dive back in and kind of, you know, see how Loki does on his own. It's actually a good read. So, yeah. So, uh, listeners, you may be wondering, why are we doing Loki, Agent of Asgard? Two main reasons. We threw it out there on social media and asked you all what you wanted to what you wanted us to break down for our first book and this won the vote we'll be doing the first five issues of this series and also the disney plus show right now the disney plus show is completely blowing up um at the time of this recording we just saw the third episode so we're halfway through that um i think it's just a timely uh it's a timely book to read to look back on a book that came out i mean about seven seven eight years ago and uh and deep dive into a character with some related stories. There's a lot of uh, interesting themes that we get to see in this book that actually show up in the show. And uh, Dan and I will be sure to break that down over the next few minutes. I want to read the summary for you all so we can just get a sense of where the story starts. And then when I'm done reading the summary, Dan is going to break down what else was happening in Marvel at the time that this was being written. So the summary goes like this. Kid Loki is all grown up, and the god of mischief is stronger, smarter, sexier, and just plain sneakier than ever before. As Asgardia's one-man secret service, he's ready to lie, cheat, steal, bluff, and snog his way through the twistiest, turniest, 
and most treacherous missions the All-Mother can throw at him, starting with a heart-stopping heist on Avengers Tower. And that's just the beginning as Loki takes on Lorelei in Monte Carlo's casinos and heads back to the dawn of Asgard to join its greatest heroes on a quest for a certain magical sword. But when he puts together a crew to crack the deepest dungeons of Asgardia itself, there may be one plot twist too many for even Loki to handle. There's a lot packed in there. We will dig into it, but Dan is going to tell us what else was happening in Marvel at the time of this comic. Yeah, so uh, takes place, this is 2014. Um, the biggest event that happened before that was uh, Infinity. And this is kind of like the beginning of the Marvel Now stage, where there was kind of a revamp where they were doing, you know, new status quo. Uh, you know, Loki had just... This is our kind of first look at kid Loki now grown up um, and what he's doing in his new bar body after being reincarnated. Um, there's mention of Asgardia, which yeah. is actually, there was a period where um, Asgard, as we knew it, fell and good old Tony Stark offered to rebuild it with <laughs> you know some new technology um, and kind of modernized it kind of if you want to picture like a wakanda version of asgard okay. and they called it asgardia and it was okay. ruled by the all mothers um and not odin uh hence the asgardia yeah because yeah, yeah. he had uh imposed you know some self-exile on him you know if you want more on that i would probably re i'm sure we'll read uh god of thunder eventually but oh my gosh yes <laughs> but uh Pretty much it stands in the same spot it did, you know, in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, it's it's Asgard under new management. So, okay. And we'll kind of get to see that with the, you know, the all mothers, as they're called. We will definitely get to see that. Yeah. What happened after uh, this event? Or what happened after these issues? It, it actually looks like it leads right into Axis, which was... Yeah, it was a fun event where, you know, the good guys became bad and bad guys became good for a little bit. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I remember reading that when it was on the shelves and I don't remember exactly how that happened, but it was, it was fun read. And then uh, after that, it was a bigger event was, which was original sin. Yeah. Which was, uh, the death of Uatu, the watcher. Who, who murdered Uatu, the watcher? Yeah. And spoilers, it was Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah so uh so what what i'm getting from that is that this this series is kind of nestled in between these major events and uh loki is both dealing with the fallout of a major infinity event and he's leading up to two other major events so it it, it stands to reason maybe this might have been overlooked at the time but when Loki gets his own TV show and Loki becomes a hit in the MCU, it's kind of hard to ignore these uh, solo titles that he gets. So uh, thanks for that breakdown, Dan. We are going to uh, look into the release dates and the author and the artist just real quick, and then we will get into the issues for this uh, series of comics. So these issues started coming out in February of 2014. And they were released monthly, you know, uh, as most comics are. And for you Marvel Cinematic Universe fans, 
in terms of Thor-related titles, this series falls right in between Thor the Dark World and Age of Ultron. So this would have come out after the second Thor movie and right before the second Avengers movie. This uh, entire series is written by a phenomenal author named Al Ewing. Dan, are you familiar with Al Ewing outside of this series? I am actually not. Um, I do wonder if I've read anything else by him, but this is kind of my first foray into his writing. And if this is any indication of it, I'm willing to kind of research because I feel like this was actually pretty well written and kind of fun. So, yeah, he, uh, so I'm just gonna, so to kind of, uh, to give you a little bit of a, of a taste of the rest of the things he's written, uh, his credits are incredible. So around the time of, of the, the writing of these Loki comics, he was writing the new Avengers, Captain America and the mighty Avengers. He had done a really long run on Iron Man and he was a part of writing the original sin story. So he had his hands in a lot of different things. And then since since Agent of Asgard came out, he was the, in my opinion, he was the genius behind the Immortal Hulk revamping of uh, the Bruce Banner Hulk character. Immortal Hulk is, I know this is a Thor podcast, but Immortal Hulk is a fantastic series. Um, I have been reading, to, wanting to read that for some time, so oh. um, it's good to know that he was behind that. I know that Mark Wade had something to do with it, too. Yes. But... They kind of, I think they, they both took turns on that book as well. Gotcha. Um, I know uh, Al Ewing also had a hand in the King in Black arc that just wrapped up uh, this year, uh, which centers around Venom and the symbiotes. Um, Al Ewing also wrote on Gamma Flight, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Sword, the Empire crossover event. And he also took a hand at uh, the Jane Foster Valkyrie comic. Um, that is, I believe, still going. Uh-huh. So Al Ewing, definitely not a slouch in the writer's spot. In the uh, artist role, we have Lee Garbett, who I could not find a lot of bibliography about because mo- mostly before he did this run of Loki, he had done work for DC doing Batman-related titles. So we have a guy who, who cut his teeth doing Batman writing Loki, and Agent of Asgard was really Lee Garbett's only um, main contribution for Marvel. So that's where that's our main creative team for that uh, for these books that we are going to be looking at today. But I'll be honest, Dan, I'm ready to get uh, into issue number one of Loki, Agent of Asgard. Here's how we are going to do this, listener. I will give you a brief overview of uh, issue one. Dan will do issue two. I'll do three, he'll do four, five, and then we'll give you our final thoughts at the end. So, hope you enjoy this breakdown of Loki, Agent of Asgard. Issue number one. We start off with this really kind of breathtaking uh, splash page. <laughs> we see Loki stabbing Thor through the back, and this this brilliant bright sword is coming out of Thor's chest. Uh, uh, and Loki just says on the first page, trust me, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I didn't love that, I'll, I'll say. I didn't love the way that started. <laughs> it's super jarring, right? Yeah, away. I was already uh, upset. Yeah. 
So we get a few pages of, uh, of, of credits. And then we, uh, one thing I love about Marvel at this point is they give you uh, synopsises at the beginning of the books to kind of bring you up to speed. If maybe um, you're, you haven't been reading uh, the recent issues, they at least give you kind of a clue of what's going on. In the first uh, bit of the book, we, uh, we see Loki singing in the shower. That was Okay, Loki just singing in the shower, and then yeah. the All Mothers uh, they interrupt him and they give him a mission, and we find out that, that mission is to get into the Avengers Tower. Now, like as a, no matter what kind of Marvel fan you are, the Avengers Tower is like sacred ground. You you don't try to steal or break into Avengers Tower because there's a chance that Avengers are going to be there and they're going to, they're going to mop the floor with you. Loki walks, uh, he runs up the side of Avengers tower and he, uh, he cloaks himself and he sees all what the Avengers are doing in the tower. And then Thor is onto him because Thor always knows where Loki is. He throws the hammer out the window and Loki plummets and you get this cool little panel of, Hawkeye and Black Widow just playing video games and reading a book, and then Loki is falling uh, by the window. Hawkeye saves him, and then they they kind of almost reenact that Avengers scene from the movie where they're all around him and they're surrounding him and they're wanting to know why he's here. The thing that makes this depiction of the Avengers a little different is Thor is super aggressive. He is super upset. <laughs> very very angsty and uh even i think even loki knows this is not this is not uh the thor he's used to hawkeye is kind of done with loki's tricks so he he threatens to shoot an arrow at him he misses loki and he hits bruce banner instead so the hulk comes out he starts fighting all the avengers and meanwhile loki slips out and he goes looking for information in the Avengers uh, computer system. The Avengers catch up to him and we see a very, very brief uh, combat scene between Loki and Thor. Thor is, uh, for some reason, he's unable to carry the hammer Uh, and Loki makes short work of him. We see uh, in this fight, the, the splash page from the beginning where Loki is stabbing Thor through with this glowing sword that we learn a lot more about later on in these issues and as Thor is being stabbed this black kind of mist is like coming out from him and we get a little bit of a context page where we find out that Thor has just been kind of a jerk for the last uh, for the last little bit he's been super aggressive and he's you know fighting his friends and he's shouting at the all mothers And uh, that's why Loki has been sent to go uh, into Avengers Tower. The sword, we find out, is releasing this curse, this dark curse out of Thor. The curse is what is making Thor so overly aggressive and violent. And Loki traps the curse in a um, in a jar. We see (laughs) we see the Hulk finally get the best of Loki uh, we just see a fist moving towards Loki's face, and then uh, then it cuts scene. <laughs> so we can assume he got his clock cleaned. And then uh, we see a, a little scene between Thor and Loki where Thor's 
Thor's appreciative uh, of what Loki did, um, and uh, they say that they they owe they owe each other favors, um, and uh, that will surely come up uh, in the rest of our in the rest of our book club reading. Then we cut to Loki in front of the All Mothers again. He he shows them the the curse that he is trapped in the jar. And uh, he's he's uh, concerned with what they're going to do with it. Uh, but the all mothers say, you know, hey, we've got it covered. We'll uh, we'll we'll handle it from here. And then on the last page, we see an old familiar face show up. It's old villainous classic Loki shows up on the last page. So we've got young Loki and old Loki jumping around in this. Uh, in this issue and the last little bit of uh, text of this issue says next Loki goes speed dating <laughs> and yeah. that concludes the first issue like it was so much <clears throat> Dan what were some of your favorite you know moments and uh, parts of this first the whirlwind issue of Agent of Asgard um, I mean first of all there's a splash page in here that is just like a recreation of the cover of Avengers 1 um, yes, and I actually I love that. I love seeing like old art redone for you know newer comics and all that. So in terms of art, that stuck out a lot, and I like seeing that. Um, but of course, I, it's something Loki does best, and we see that in Avengers One is turning teams against each other, and he does that so easily with uh, with the Avengers here. Like we see him. Uh, just bring up, you know, something I've mentioned in the past, uh, Civil War, uh, what Tony Stark wound up doing to Thor and cloning him. And that was definitely, you could tell, still a sore spot for Thor. And that just, that's all he needed to say. And it set Thor off and, you know, everybody was went off the rails. So uh, I, I liked the nod to that because, you know, felt like it spoke to me. And also... I've always I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to describe the new look for Loki we've seen since this, you know, 2014, and the description of the One Direction-y Loki. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I will always, now and forever, <laughs> refer to this Loki. There's old Loki, there's kid Loki, and there's One Direction Loki. Uh, one Direction <laughs> Loki. So, uh, yeah. So uh, this was I was looked after this first issue. I always like seeing the Avengers. It's not always great to see them fighting each other, but it's fun seeing them you know, dip into other comics. And then I was super excited to see old Loki because that is, you know, when I think of Loki in my mind, that's what I think of. So I knew that this was yeah. going to go somewhere I liked after just that last page. Yeah, good first first uh, first issue. You alluded to the Civil War reference. As I'm reading this through, I'm like, oh. That's the Dan reference for, for the issue. I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost like they know that we're going to break this down in like eight years. Um, but I, I will say this. I loved, uh, I loved the hook of this issue. This issue felt like a, like if you were going to start off a brand new series centered around Loki, this was the way to do it. And and you get like you get the Avengers, you get old Loki, you get these cool fight scenes. And I think that if you're a new fan, and like I said, this issue falls between Thor the Dark World and Age of Ultron. If you're trying to get new fans hooked into a Thor-related title, this was the way to go about doing it. I think this issue was 
uh, it, it, it hit on all the levels and notes that it needed to. Um, and I just thought it was, I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. So you want to just run us through issue number two, uh, where Loki goes speed dating, Dan. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, the cover is young Loki sitting there with a rose in front of his face. Uh, like very classic speed dating setting. Uh, you know, we see a first person view of somebody speaking to, you know, a bunch of guys kind of going through the line. Uh, you know, we see a Roxxon employee in there. <laughs> Whoever, whoever's viewer seeing at this point is, uh, you know, very choosy and seems to have a good head on their shoulders. And then, you know, we get to see Loki and uh, we get our first glimpse at, uh, which we don't know yet, but is a Verity Willis, which uh, it's kind of somebody we'll get to know a little bit more in the, over the next few issues. Uh, and we kind of get the, uh, you know, first hint at who, what his mission is in this one, which is uh, he's trying to track down Lorelai, which Lorelai apparently is the younger sister of the Amor the Enchantress. Uh, yes. Not, uh, you know, Amor, uh, Lorelai is not somebody I know a ton about, but again, or learn and so we go through and uh you know they they kind of have a back and forth you know verity is pretty you know sarcastic and kind of going back she she's able to match loki in, in terms of uh uh you know speaking back and forth and it's kind of assumed at this point that who we're speaking to is lorelei um and even the next page we see Asgard's Lorelei and looks very much like Verity Willis. Uh, we learned that Lorelei has a romantic history with both Loki and Thor. Uh, you know, enemy of Asgard. You know, she's not, she's kind of, she's a lot like her sister in that, you know, she's a bad guy. Uh, then we kind of cut to Loki back in his apartment. Uh, something I love about this by the way, is how the All-Mothers appear to Loki in all yes. these different forms. Uh, <laughs> right? And this one, it's it's a, they appear to him in a bowl of jello. You know, see <laughs> heads floating, they're speaking to speaking to him, kind of giving, giving the mission, the breakdown of all that. And So good. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty clever. And, uh, you know, as we're going through, we kind of see, you know, we, we get the mission, you know, Bring back Lorelai to Asgard for a reason. They're they're pretty uh, cryptic about their reasonings and everything they're giving to Loki throughout this. They don't really give a lot of reasonings. Just he, he's an agent and he's not to ask questions, I guess. So uh, we're going through again, and he we're now in casino. Seems to be some kind of heist going down, and then we get another look at what we're now confirming to be the actual Lorelai. She's taking place, uh, taking part in this uh, this heist in a casino in France, Paris specifically. And yeah, as as we're kind of going through the motions of them going through this heist, we're kind of flipping back and forth between Loki and Verity, and he's putting a lot of things together and kind of getting a history of you know her and you know what exactly a little learning about her as you do in this you know speed dating environment so yeah what we see is 
this back and forth between Loki and, and the heist that's happening in Monte Carlo, we see that Loki is actually outsmarting Lorelai's squad as they're robbing the casino, this uh, invisibility amulet um, that he gives uh, he gives the one of the robbers is it just a fake made in Taiwan. I thought that was awesome. And then we jump back to uh, Verity in the speed dating and they, they have this final culmination of their conversation. And what you find out is that Lorelai is actually at the speed dating event that Loki and Verity are talking at. So Loki is at the speeding speed dating event for that purpose to to meet up with Lorelai and to try and get her to join a crew that he's putting together for a mission that is all about him. You find out that uh, Lorelai and Loki walk out together, but Verity is not done. Verity follows behind them kind of secretively. Lorelai and Loki talk about putting together a heist together. And uh, as we leave the issue two we get a really cool tease for the next issue the next issue's tease is if you meet a giant otter on the road kill him (laughs) that's like out of context it just sounds like pure insanity um but dan what were some of your favorite uh points moments uh panels in this issue two this very James Bond-esque uh, issue two of Agent of Asgard. Uh, I really liked the kind of 360 that they, well, not 360, but the 180 that they did on us with kind of leading us to think that Lorelai was Verity. And then yeah. things kind of become clear. It was just, you know, I, I was almost certain, like, you see one page, you see Lorelai, the next page, you see Verity. It's like, oh, that's obvious. But, you know, turns out she just is somebody who cannot be told lies and just so happens to be somebody who'd be working really well towards Loki's missions. So, you know, these normal human characters that we get amongst these, you know, these grand, these literal gods is when they throw those, you know, in the mix and stuff like that, they've done that in other Thor stories. It's yeah. always fun to see, to see, you know, how they hold their own and go toe to toe with whatever's going on in that you know specific setting. So uh, that was fun to see, just getting an uh, introduction to Verity and, uh, you know, just, you know, new characters are always fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, we get this sense that these characters are definitely coming back, that Loki is putting together something because there's the mission that he's been given from the All Mothers, but then there's his own personal mission. And we're starting to kind of, ask the question of like what is Loki up to behind the scenes what is he trying to to put together issue two very heavy in like the spy espionage theme issue three of agent of Asgard is nothing like that issue three (laughs) is so insane (laughs) I almost thought that I like was started to read a different comic at some point it was exactly It, it was uh you know it was cool to see a Norse fairy tale uh, in a Marvel comic. Like we get that every once in a while, but it starts off and it just immediately feels like a fairy tale, um, <laughs> you know, folk story. Absolutely, we 
we're going to jump into issue three then. We start off issue three, not with young Loki, but with old Loki, the villainous version of him that we saw at the end of issue one. Loki is going back in time to rewrite some things. The title of this issue is actually a, a very cool, intriguing title. It's Your Life is a Story That I've Already Written. And it alludes to old Loki's, I'm going to say his scheme against young Loki during the, the, the arc that we get in these first five issues. But we'll come back to that later. We see old Loki in the first few pages talking with a young Odin. Not king. He, he's not uh, the all-father yet. He's just a prince of Asgard. They're walking around and Loki is kind of, charming him and he, he's uh, using his skills of persuasion to eventually get Odin to do him a favor. Along the way, we get some really interesting, <laughs> I will say that, with some uh, crazy panels where Loki kills a giant otter, uh, kills a giant otter for, for almost no reason, and he uh, takes the pelt and then later on, Loki and Odin go to this bar, uh, this tavern, where they find out that uh, a, father and a, a father and a son are at this tavern, and they're mourning the uh, loss of, of their other brother and son who hasn't come back yet. We find out that the other son's name is Otir, which, if you're... <laughs> it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out that Otir is a shape-shifting... Uh, person who it turns into a giant otter so find out that loki and odin killed this uh father's son and this brother's other brother and we see uh vengeance uh sworn and loki is kind of playing both sides of this he's getting odin in trouble and um the father says that you know we're not going to kill you if you come back with with essentially a lot of gold so Loki finds out that there's this dwarven treasure hoard nearby, and he, he goes and he's going to get gold from this treasure uh, pile, a stockpile. And Dan, you and I talked about this beforehand. It is the most insane panels in this entire five-issue arc we're reading. Loki goes to this golden treasure hoard, and he is confronted by this giant fish guarding the pile of gold. And what does he do? He whips out a bazooka and blows the thing to smithereens. Again, listener, this was written by adults. <laughs> this is written by paid professionals who, in my opinion, are geniuses <laughs> because Loki uh, brings a future weapon back into the past. He blows this fish up with a giant bazooka. Very specifically, an M20 recoilless rocket launcher. I, I, that was my favorite part about this. Is I think they actually gave the classification of the weapon. Oh my and, gosh. And in a text bubble that is like, you know, written on like an old scroll. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> For all you bazooka nerds out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, we will come back to a few just the funny things this panel these mm -hmm. panels contain but then we get kind of a an overview of this is that the gold is cursed 
the gold is cursed uh, because it was it was stolen from its rightful uh, person. And then these two sons, the 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 son of the man in the tavern, these two sons that remain, they begin to quarrel over the gold. And one of the sons runs away with it. The other swears vengeance. And due to his vengeance, he makes a sword and imbues it with this, this uh, power that is related to the gold that they found. The son that steals the gold slowly turns into this monster. The gold uh, perverts him and changes him into this dragon-looking monster. We are then introduced to a new character named Sigurd. Sigurd the Ever-Glorious. He is the first hero of Asgard. He shows up to this tavern later on, and the older son that had made the sword to enact vengeance on his brother says, use this sword to slay my brother and get vengeance. Sigurd uses the sword, slays the dragon, and then goes back the next day and turns on the older brother who gave him the sword. He turns on him, and you find out that the sword which we know as Graham. Graham is the name of the sword. Its blade forces people to tell the truth or be exposed to the truth. And the truth that the older brother experiences is that he didn't really want revenge. He was just a murderer that wanted to murder his brother. So it's a little bit of a downer for him. Sigurd slays the older brother. And all the while, there's this raven flying around who we, we find out is Loki. Loki in the form of a raven kind of playing strings behind, uh, behind the scenes. In the last few pages of this issue, there's a lot going on here. We find out that Odin's father dies. Odin's father, Bor, dies. And the sword, which Sigurd had used to slay the dragon, is now in the possession of Odin. And Loki makes a deal with Odin to make a box and lock the sword inside the box for later nefarious things. And then we jump to the current day where a mysterious figure is climbing a mountain. He goes into a cave and opens a box and there's nothing in it. There's no sword. And the man is revealed to be none other than Sigurd, the first hero of Asgard. So, issue three is kind of a whirlwind fantasy adventure. Dan and I are going to talk about our favorite quotes and our favorite panels because this issue was full of them. Dan, what were some of your favorite moments from issue three of this uh, of this series? I mean, I thought it was going to be the giant otter being you know, murdered, but <laughs> I actually, uh, that bazooka moment. Oh my gosh. Loki just pulls out a, a bazooka. There's not really much. No context. I, I mean, like, he just brought a bazooka with him. He just has a bazooka. I've never seen Loki with a bazooka. I'm okay with Loki with a bazooka. <laughs> yes, I'm very pro Loki with a bazooka. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, my favorite probably if we continue reading this I, I don't think that this moment will be topped uh you know after 
Loki comes back with the gold, you know, somebody asks, but where did you get such a gold hoard, old one? And he just says, very simply, I shot a fish with a bazooka. (laughs) This is my favorite panel in the whole book. (laughs) It's probably my favorite panel I've read, like, all year of anything. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I I mean, does it get better than that? I mean, Loki with a bazooka, that's all. So we, we, we find out that uh, there's another character uh, lurking around in this story, Sigurd, who we learn a lot more about in issue four, which Dan is going to break down for us. So Dan, hit us with issue four of Agent of Asgard, a issue that had a legitimate surprise in here that made me so, so happy. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we pick up and uh, we are introduced to, well, I was introduced to a character that I didn't know about before, uh, Kalu, who uh, apparently dates back to his first appearance back in the 60s. I read a little about him. He, uh, he turns out he trained the Ancient One, which was the guy okay. who trained Doctor Strange. And he was even like a member of the Mighty Avengers back in the 70s. So oh, I awesome. feel like this is the first time we've seen him in Marvel Comics in a long time. He's not, you know, I wouldn't call him a big name. Uh, so... Sigurd appears before Kalu, and you know he has a bit of a uh, he, he's looking for help from Sigurd. He pulls out the uh, the sword Graham that's been kind of talked about before. What, the very first thing we see in this series is Graham plunged in the back of Thor's chest. Uh, we kind of you know he's going to go in through and uh, talking about. You know, he's got a proposition. He's kind of looking for some help from Kalu. And we cut back to Loki's apartment where uh, Verity looks like came back to hang out with Loki. And all the while, we kind of see Sigurd sneaking around Loki's apartment, decked out in smart fabric athletic wear, uh, glasses that apparently have some kind of technology tied to it. And also, very specifically, uh, some aim tech that's designed to give him, you know, stealth capabilities. So, I don't know where he got all this, but he's got it. So, he's sneaking around Loki's apartment. uh, All the while, Verity notices uh, uh, Sigurd invisible, uh, you know. And there's a bit of a skirmish between the two of them. Um, Well... Before we get into that, the uh, again the All Mothers appear before Loki. in a video game. In a video game, Galaga, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, that is Galaga. Yeah, that guy was sure. playing Galaga. He thought yeah. we wouldn't notice, but we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, <laughs> very specifically, Galaga, um, who are now tasking him with uh, tracking down Sigurd, and Sigurd just happened to walk right into Loki's apartment. So, you know. Going well so far. <laughs> uh, Loki and Sigurd kind of throw down in the apartment. They each have their respective swords. Uh, Loki's got a sword called, and I'm going to butcher this, the uh, Lavatine, which uh, when Loki speaks that, <laughs> Sigurd knows that it means damaged twig, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, I mean, kind of tells you what, what Loki's going with. So, And he has this frown on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know. Loki, they're they're fighting. Verity's kind of staying out of the way. 
Sigurd kicks Loki out of the window, and Loki lands majestically on some clotheslines below, which he's being held up by some, you know, magic shoes, as he does. And uh, the fight continues down, you know, the uh, in between the buildings, and they both land into a dumpster. You know, you see some some fighting that seems to happen in the dumpster. Yeah, you know, a stab <laughs> happens. It's a great page. Yeah, and uh, Sigurd walks out, saying, "Man, I feel so heroic." Then uh, it cuts back to Sigurd back on the mountain talking to Kalu. Uh, you know, he, it looks like Sigurd is going to Kalu for some help with trying to get out of the cycle of reincarnation within Asgard. And apparently he's the guy to do it. So um, they, uh, they, you know, kind of do a blood oath, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a, there's a conversation that happens about, you know, how they can go about doing this and how he can get out of this cycle so he can escape Asgardia so that he doesn't have to be tracked by them anymore. Uh, so, uh, Kalu cuts his hand and Sigurd cuts his, and that's basically signs the blood, you know, the blood oath contract. And the very last panel of that page, we see a familiar face in the form of Mephisto. Uh, and if you know anything about Mephisto, he's not a guy that you want to cut a deal with. He is so, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so all along was Mephisto. I'm sure, Disney Plus fans are. Finally, happy to see the Mephisto. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, their Mephisto's kind of you know going on bragging about how he's kind you know kind of wrapped uh, Sigurd in this contract, and uh, as he's kind of gloating and talking about it, he looks back at the contract and and notices a clause he didn't put in there, and he turns behind and he sees that Loki very, you know, in very Loki-esque fashion, has been altering the contract behind their backs to um, read, basically, uh, Loki is going to <laughs> ban creates a pact where he banishes Mephisto back to where he came, and he gets to take Sigurd with him, which is quite possibly one of the most Loki moments ever. If you oh can outsmart Mephisto... Yeah, yeah. In, in one of his pacts, I mean, he truly living up to the god of mischief tag, you know. And uh, we we kind of go back. We see, you know, Sigurd gets taken to the All Mothers, and then we get cut to Loki back in you know his apartment, and on his apartment is sitting very Willis, Lorelai, and Thor, all in casual clothing, as if they are, um, you know. They've agreed to be his agents. And uh, very important note, Thor is wearing an AHA t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, concludes issue four. And when it leads into uh, next, you don't want to bring a sword to a Loki fight. Oh my gosh. So... Not a good tag. <laughs> this episode... Uh, this I keep mixing up issue and episode. Yikes. They're, they're, uh, they're episodes. I mean, the Loki TV show... Loki comic, you know, they're up for, for all intents and purposes. We're, <laughs> we're just reading five episodes of Loki, the TV show. Um, yeah. There you go. There you Disney plus fans. Um, <laughs> I absolutely loved that Mephisto showed up in this comic. 
It is the most. It 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 feels like the most. Like it's a surprise, but then I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense though, because Mephisto uses underhanded means to trick people. So does Loki. So Loki out tricks, like the the most diabolical trickster in like all of Marvel comics. He is he's essentially the devil. He outthinks the devil. That is something to be said about that for sure. I mean, yeah, this this comic does a really good job of showing why Loki is the god of mischief, and that is, I don't think you can get more Loki than that, outsmarting basically the devil. Yeah, and then and then we we end with this great shot of kind of that pent ultimate moment where Loki has his squad ready to go, and then we head into the final issue of this first arc of Loki agent of Asgard issue five on the cover. We see uh, kind of this team, this team picture. Everybody has kind of a, kind of a, a casino vibe, kind of a fancy almost dinner party vibe where like Thor's in a shirt and a shirt and tie Verity uh, is dressed up like a, um, a casino uh, table uh, worker, Sigurd and Loki both have suits and ties on. Uh, Lorelai is in like an evening gown. Very cool cover. On the uh, first few pages, we see that Loki and Lorelai are hanging from the wing of a plane. And then there is an awesome, awesome Twilight Zone reference here um, where uh, you just uh, see something. something's on the wing. Something's on the wing. And it's just Loki <laughs> waving. It's just I love the amount of, uh, between Lee Garbett's art and Al Ewing's writing, I love the amount of charm that they put into this. Loki is like this, um, he's this charming, like almost James Bond kind of secret agent. Um, I, I just really love how Loki is written in these issues. So this is the beginning of the heist that Loki speaks about earlier on in this arc and they go through the gradual progression of the the things they need to do in order to get into the deepest dungeons of Asgardia. So like Dan referenced at the beginning of this issue, we see Asgardia floating above Oklahoma and the first thing they have to bypass is Heimdall, the all-seeing watchman of Asgardia. So the way that they get past Heimdall is Thor is sent into space to fight these kind of just generic robot villains. This they're called the te- the Technarchy, the Technoarchy. I I don't really I don't really know how to pronounce that one word. That's how but, I pronounce it. So <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, at least we're on the same page. Um, so. Uh, then we, we see that Thor and Loki had to talk about this ahead of time. Loki enacts this as the favor that Thor, uh, Thor agreed to earlier on in this arc. So as Thor fights these robots, Heimdall's uh, attention is diverted from Loki and Lorelai sneaking into Asgard. So we see Lorelai use this really cool device uh, it's called the Charm of Liquid Solids, and it's a uh, quantum device used by the 
dwarves of, Nid- of Nidavalier. What happens is they throw this orb through, uh, through these walls and Loki and Lorelai are able to just sink through the walls like, like nothing is going on and the walls return and the floors return to what they, you know, they previously were. So Loki uh, has a great line in here. Uh, where they they drop into the bottom dungeons of Asgardia, and he's so scared that Loki says, five stars, I would soil myself again. (laughs) Such a great line. Uh, We see then the next obstacle that Lorelai and Loki have to get past is the, uh, the very subtly named, the room full of incredibly deadly traps. (laughs) And you find out that the 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 traps they see are not actual traps they're meant more as scare tactics and that's where verity willis comes in verity is able to see through these illusions and these lies in order to get uh in order to get the squad through the room of insanely deadly traps we then come up to obstacle number three and a gate made of uru that is impregnable now this is where the issue, um, I was really wondering how they were going to get past this gate. And I love when comics write themselves into a corner. I love when the characters are forced to be creative. And uh, Lorelai even says, well, like, okay, shapeshifter, why don't you just turn into a fly and fly through the keyhole? And he's like, mm, no, that's, that's not how we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to go about this a different way. And you he's above out. being a fly, it seems. Yeah, he's yeah, he's 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 Loki. I'm above being I'm above being such a, a meaningless little creature. We find out that Sigurd was Loki's man on the inside. Sigurd appears behind the impregnable Uru door, and he lets them in. We then get a cut scene back to their fight in the dumpster, which is so good, uh, and they make this deal together. They make this deal, and Sigurd lets them into the deepest dungeons of Asgardia. But then things don't go so well for Loki, because then Lorelai and Sigurd kind of like, hey, we've done our part, peace out. So they uh, throw open this um, dimensional little door. Uh, Lorelai does, and they walk through it, and then Loki is by himself. And he restates to the audience, this is not a heist. This is my mission. This is my mission not an all mother's mission this is his own personal thing he goes through these uh through these hallways where he's looking through these cells and he's trying to find the deepest darkest cell and he realizes that the most important cell wouldn't look like a cell at all and he kind of magically becomes aware of this false this false door and he opens, uh, he, he kind of does this cool thing where he opens up the wall brick by brick, magically. And on the other side of the wall, we see old Loki, the villain that has been kind of working behind the scenes this entire arc. Loki and him have a standoff, and young Loki stabs older Loki with the Sword of Truth. And this is where a lot of the complexities of this arc come to light. We find out that Loki, uh, younger Loki, cannot use the sword against older Loki because 
older Loki was the one that made this sword for this occasion in the first place. And uh, it's, it's not going to work the way younger Loki wanted it to. We find out that the All Mothers are aware of what old Loki is doing, and they've been almost setting up younger Loki from the start. The, the line that really gets me in this issue is when old Loki says, never mind, little Loki, I'll make sure that the true Asgard comes into being, for I am its agent. We've, we've been under the impression all along that young Loki was the one that the All-Mothers were putting all their hope and trust in, when really old Loki was the one that they were, uh, they were trusting in a little more, and maybe younger Loki was just a way to get to him. And later on, we see that old Loki is kind of haunting, haunting younger Loki. And then we, um, we get the last little panel of the issue and the arc. Next, Original Sin. So issue five, I will say this. Issue five does not end like a normal comic book arc. Um, but I want to know, Dan, what were some of your uh, favorite spots of this last issue and what were some of your final closing thoughts about our first book review Loki agent of Asgard so I loved how we both kind of talked about this the, the issue three seemed so out of place and yeah yeah but it had you know this issue made that issue three make so much more sense because it was kind of unclear as they were going kind of going through it what was the point of this and it was the backstory of you know the sword the gram uh, which was that same sword that we mentioned before yeah and that just that that tie that little loop knot kind of tying it back to that issue three was just so satisfying because you know i now I have another reason to like that issue besides the bazooka exactly <laughs> it, it gave a nice it gave a nice uh you know completed the circle for us so that was really satisfying, and you know, again, I'm a big fan of like old Loki, and seeing old Loki kind of outsmart the this younger Loki that we're dealing with now that we're you know at the head of it. He's you know, he probably does not have the last laugh. I'm sure we'll see. Yeah, but you know, it just kind of it it shows us that Loki is you know maybe best when he's actually kind of working for himself, and you know when he gets to be dastardly and not heroic. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think my main takeaway from this first five issues of this series was that Loki is heroic in certain ways. Um, but he will always do it in unheroic ways. Mm-hmm. He will always be a trickster. He will, I mean, he out tricks the devil in these five <laughs> issues. He out tricks the Avengers. Um, old Loki tricks a whole bunch of people in issue three. Um, that trickery and mischief is always at the center, always at the center. Um, and even in the way that the publishers did the summaries for these issues, they even say, like, hey, uh, so this is going to happen in the issue. And by the way, we're lying to you right now. Like, yeah. So even the way the way that the book is written is even 
it embodies the character of Loki. I think that with the TV show out right now, this would be a good read for people to go out and get, whether it's uh, in paperback form or on Marvel Unlimited, because it really it really expounds on Loki as an individual, as uh, what his means of value and virtue are, what he finds important, but also how he operates uh, as, uh, as an agent who is really looking out for himself. I think we've seen that in the Disney Plus show uh, pretty prominently that at the end of the day, Loki's going to look out for himself. Yeah, and this this whole series, you can tell where the Disney Plus show kind of pulls from. You know, the first issue, I'm already I'm hearing Tom Hiddleston in the show that yes. we watch in this character that we're reading. Um, and also, he is an agent of Asgard in this. He is an agent of the Timekeepers in this, sh- you know, the show we're yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the show says that it doesn't really pull from any specific comic storylines. Yeah. But if I had to kind of point a finger to one that's close, it would be this one from what I've read. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's there's so many inspirations here. And, you know, this is really... If somebody wants to read comic Loki and is, you know, just really has had exposure to the MCU... I would recommend this because you get a little bit of what Loki was and you get a little bit of what Loki is now. And, you know, it's, it's no secret that the current 616 Loki is heavily inspired by the MCU Loki, you know, it's kind of been rewritten to be this younger, you know, again, one direction, Loki, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to kind of appeal to the masses. And, but I do love that they included the old Loki, that you know, older comic fans, might know and love and uh this is just this is probably i'm glad that we read this one yeah because this this kind of encapsulates the character you know in, in the best way and how he would do in a solo uh, story absolutely i couldn't agree with you more that does it for our first book club everybody i hope you enjoyed digging into loki agent of asgard with us this was issues one through five of that series who knows maybe if you guys really enjoy this episode we will come back and do more agent of asgard in the future regardless of that i really thank you for listening to this episode of the book club Okay, everybody, it is time to break down episode three of Loki Lamentus. And I brought in another guest of my rotating, uh, revolving door of guest hosts for this part of the show. I brought Liam Speaker on to talk this episode of Loki. Liam, how's it going today, man? It's going well. Thank you. Excited to talk Loki? Yes, I am. I just finished watching it for the third time. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you've, you've definitely done your research. Fantastic. Fresh in the brain. So let's jump into it. What were some of your impressions of this episode? What jumped out to you? Uh, let's start with what are some of the good things that jumped out to you in this episode? Some of the good things. Um, yeah. Well, first off, I liked um, the change of pace from the first two episodes. The first two episodes have kind of been uh 
relying heavily on the TVA uh, setting. And I liked kind of getting out of that, um, that, that place, you know, and getting okay. onto a really um, well-designed Lamentus one, like a, kind of like a, a ba- or a soon to be abandoned mi- mining colony um, on the outskirts of what did they say? Xandar or is, isn't that right? I don't know. I, I actually don't remember if they referred to uh, specifically any other planets. I know that Lamentus does not really show up prominently anywhere else. It's kind of just a planet that exists in this episode so that they can destroy it. Gotcha. All right. Then. Yeah, but I liked the um, I liked how it looked very um, purpley and kind of uh, reminiscent to um, Titan when Thanos was crashing the moon into that. Right. <laughs> um, I liked the similarities there. Um, and then I liked um, the costume design. Everyone looked very like um, it looked like this civilization had been around for a while and it was cl- like close to the brink of destruction. Um with it being an apocalypse and all cool so, so with with kind of the the well, we can just jump into this too with lamentus being around for this episode alone we assume maybe it will be alluded to at the beginning of the next episode given how this episode ends the whole the whole uh arc of this episode leads up to this giant uh chase to get aboard the ark to get off this planet. We start off with some stuff at the TVA. Um, Sylvie does some, some really cool fight scene stuff. She finds out that, Hey, her magic doesn't work in the TVA, but she and Loki find a way out. They run into Renslayer and uh, they drop onto Lamentus. And then that begins their, their chase to get on, on board the arc. And at the end of this episode, we get, the biggest fight scene we've gotten so far of them fighting through the crowd to get to the arc. What did you think of that big climactic fight scene at the end with Sylvie and Loki getting through the crowd? I really liked it. Um, it was shot really well. It looked like it was all one take. It was. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's real. It, I liked it a lot. I don't really have much more to say um, other than I appreciated how kind of different it was from the other um, fight scenes we've seen and more that it was just a one take thing. I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that cinema, yeah, that, that one camera view of an entire fight scene. And exactly. You see, you see them rotate the camera around. Oh, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a first person, uh, first person uh, action game where yeah. you're seeing their perspective, but there's so much more going on around them. Uh, and they they definitely made you feel frantic as they're getting to the 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 point at the end. And then I just hey, if if you haven't seen episode three of Loki, man, uh, you need to pause it right here. Uh, when the arc blows up at the end, and they don't get there, what like what was going through your mind as the thing they're trying to get to the entire episode? just blows up in front of them and kind of leaves us, you know, with our hands, you know, holding our hands like, uh, okay. Uh, what happens now? What, what was, what was that scene like on your, your three viewings of the episode? Well, I mean, the first time I, 
I don't know if I guess I just went into it with a different take. I was like, well, yeah, it's no one survives this. So when when is that going to happen? Where's the big final thing that um, makes it so that nobody survives? And I, when I seeing or seeing the arc blow up, I was like, ah, gotcha. I wasn't really like holding my breath the whole time for them. Okay. I was more of a, hmm, where is this going to go wrong? Where is this going to go wrong? Because you were you were much more hopeful than I was. Or yeah. you, no, you were you were much more was, logical than I was. I was yeah. more hopeful than than you. I was I like, mean, oh, they'll they'll reverse it and they'll get to change it. And you're just like, no, man, this thing's no gonna blow up. No way. <laughs> no way. What were some of the moments of the episode that um maybe maybe not bad moments, but just like moments that you found confusing. Maybe you need them to elaborate more on in the future hmm. well i mean there's not many definitely i mean okay a, a very good job explaining i think what it is and uh, without being like too explanatory so that there's still a little bit of like the mischievousness behind the scene like not just the mischievousness of loki but mischievousness of the director and um the the crew putting it together yeah um i Honestly, I would have liked it to be a little bit longer. When I saw, like, it was only, what, 38 minutes? And that, yeah. of course, with a Marvel show, that's subtracting the 10 minutes for the credits. And I was like, yeah, my, yeah. wow. It's... But, I mean, I guess it, it is the middle of the episode, or it is the middle of the series. And um, a little, I guess, not, not side adventure, but you know what I'm saying. It did feel a little side quest kind of, it gave me a side quest kind of vibe. Yeah. Cause this really had nothing to do with the TVA. Mm-mm. The the whole, the whole idea was to get back, um, you know, to, to, to charge the device that gets them, you know, the capability of moving off of Lamentus. I mean, really the beginning of the episode when they're in the TVA and Sylvie's looking for the timekeepers, that feels like the main quest. And then, you know, they're jumped into this side quest. It's, it's almost like uh, Sylvie trying to get to the timekeepers was like her own personal divine timeline. And Loki pulls her into this branch of a, of a side adventure for the episode. Yeah. She, she's, she's really annoyed. She's like, I just, I just need to get back to the timekeepers. Like you are really screwing up my plan right here. <laughs> yeah. The, the one scene we really haven't referred to yet that I would love to dig in to is that scene on the train where both uh, Sylvie and, and Loki have this very in-depth conversation about the, the, um, the depth of the meaning of love. And Loki has some great lines in there. Yeah. But um, we learn a lot about, uh, we learn about a, a lot about Loki and Sylvie in that conversation on the train. And I want to just, uh, ask you like what were some of your takeaways from those calmer one-on-one moments that we got to see yeah those are like um, conversations like that are my favorite parts of shows and where you really get to see just the bare bones of the character behind like any kind of mask and I liked how it started off um, talking about their moms yeah um, and or I guess Loki talking about Frigga and I mean, he just, he literally just watched her die. Um, yeah. And then uh, Sylvie didn't like, she just said blip uh, just, that her mom is just blips of uh, memory. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Um, 
I, I feel like we'll probably get some more on that later. But I, I really liked that scene. And then obviously, um, Loki gets drunk and sings that uh, as Guardian uh, hymn, which I thought, or not hymn, but song, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. That was cool. And there's the reference in there um, to Love is Like a Dagger, which I believe is from oh. Macbeth. Correct. That's that's a Macbeth reference. If anyone would know, I think it would be you, man. <laughs> to the disappearing dagger, um, and then obviously Sylvie just kind of dismisses dismisses it because it's a bad me- metaphor. It's a bad metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's that reference to uh, when after uh, Sylvie takes a little bit of a nap, she wakes up to Loki having like this raucous party, and then he yeah. does the he does the thing from Thor one. And he, he he downs the drink and just another. Oh, that was so great! That was a great, great small callback that just probably made Thor fans really, really happy. I love, I love that kind of thing. Yeah, small little callbacks that ties like ten year periods of the MCU together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so going forward, we have three episodes left. We are at the halfway point. And I just want to know, Liam, what are some of your expectations and hopes for the for the last half of this awesome TV show? <laughs> well, personally, I want Mobius to be Loki, a Loki variant. I want okay. it so badly. I want we have to talked be about this. Loki. Yeah, um, yeah, we've talked about this in person, but um, with that reveal during this episode that all TVA agents are variants, that just gets me one step closer. And makes me believe that Mobius maybe, and that's the big twist at the end of the series is maybe Mobius is like the original Loki from the original like crazy timeline that they talked about. Um, and then I'm excited for them to reveal, hopefully, that the TVA is the ultimate bad guy, or maybe um, it's all a farce and it's just like Miss Minutes controlling everybody, you know. Okay. That is what I'm excited for coming up. It's just, it's just speaking of Miss Minutes, like we really haven't seen much of her uh, in the show. Just a few moments here and there where she explains some things to us. But uh, I saw this, uh, I saw this on uh, online the other day that Tara Strong, the actress who voices Miss Minutes, yes. has has said there is more explanations of Miss Minutes coming, and I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I didn't. It's one of those things where I didn't even know I wanted it until the actress playing her was like, yeah, you get more of her. I'm like, oh, well, now I want that. Now I want that a lot. So I you know what? I agree with you on all on all fronts. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep rolling with my Kang the Conqueror uh, (laughs) is one of the timekeepers theory. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and you know. I, I, yeah, I've, have you seen those? I've seen images of I, I forget the name of the actor that's playing that's been confirmed to play Jonathan him. Majors is yeah, the Jonathan actor Majors. who's playing. And um, if you look at his face next to the center timekeeper, they're very similar faces. Like there's the structure of their two eyes, like are very similar. So that that could be uh, an interesting twist in there. You know, I would just I would go nuts. And I said that I said that during WandaVision when the whole you know theory of Mephisto being the one that was behind the hex oh. was happening, and then I got disappointed there. But yeah. um, 
But no, no, this time I'm right. I know it. I feel it in my bones. It's got to be Kang the Conqueror at the end. It's definitely coming. It absolutely has to be. Uh, So, Liam, thank you for sitting and breaking down episode three of Loki Lamentis with me. Uh, We will catch you down the road, and hopefully we get three more uh, banger episodes of Loki to talk about at the end. Another! (laughs) See you, man. Yeah. That is all for the episode today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our look back at Loki, Agent of Asgard with Dan the Articulator and our look at the third episode of the Loki television show with Liam. Both of those guys were just um, a treat to talk to and specifically talk Loki with. I hope you enjoyed those conversations. Again, just want to remind you a way to help the podcast is going to iTunes, rating us five stars, giving us a review, and then hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss anything that we put out on our feed from Across the Bifrost. You can go follow us on Instagram at Across the Bifrost and go follow us on Twitter at Across Bifrost. While you're there, talk with us about Loki. What do you love about the show? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think Kang the Conqueror is one of the timekeepers just like I do? Maybe, maybe you do. Tell me about that. We would love to hear from you. As always, everybody, uh, it is my honor and privilege to do this show for you. I, I continue to just learn more about the characters that I love, and I hope you are able to learn something as well. We look forward to the next time that you jump aboard the Rainbow Bridge with us. Have a great rest of your day, and remember, stay worthy, friends.